Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now, each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite, or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Yes, we are back. I'm Carrie. I'm Kelly. And, and we're, we're Identical, identical twins. twins. All right, this <laughs> is a fun episode. I know, kind of funny. A little unexpected. Maybe. So if you are listening to this, like today, on the day that it gets released, it's August 9th, and, you know, we're in the middle of summer here. Yeah. I mean, it's hot. It's sunny. We're going to the beach. Yes. But we had something kind of fun at our church, which sort of inspired this episode. Right. So last week, we celebrated a Christmas in August youth group party because the youth group <laughs> wasn't able to have an, a Christmas party in December because of COVID. Right. And the youth group, they kind of get into their Christmas parties. Yes, I they mean, do. their Yankee Swap gifts mm-hmm. are crazy. Mm-hmm. Hey, does everybody know what Yankee Swap is? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I mean, is that just a New England thing? Yankee Swap is everyone brings a gift, and then you have to draw a number, and when your number comes up, you have to pick a present. It's all, like, wrapped and anonymous. Yeah. You don't know who brought what. Nope. Everything's wrapped. You don't know what anything is. And then when you when it's your turn and you pick a present, you get to open it, and you can choose to trade it with any of the presents that had gone before you. Right. And then if someone trades it with you, you're, like, stuck with it. That's it. Right. Except if you're number one. Yeah, one's the best. If you're number one, yes, you pick first, and anyone can trade with you over and over and over again, but you get final choice of trading. Right. So number one is the best number to get. Number two is is the the worst. worst. Yeah. Yeah. So we were kind of joking as we were planning the party. You know, are we doing a Christmas song? You we know? should do a Christmas carol. I mean, we thought about it. We Maybe something a little, you know, lesser well-known right, or something. Because such good music. Oh. And we only do them in December. Right. Yeah. The thing is, is that we have done lots of listener requests. Mm-hmm. We didn't really have an interview planned. So it was like kind of an opportunity to do something different. Right. So we decided not to do a Christmas carol, but we're doing something that definitely reminds you of winter. Yeah, it definitely relates to winter. <laughs> um, all right, let's tell them. All right, our hymn for today is Whiter, whiter Than, than Snow. snow. <laughs> I mean, whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. It feels weird to sing that in August. But I mean, it really has nothing to do with winter or Christmas or anything. I mean, no. you really can sing this all year round. Right. But it just... I don't know. It felt a little funny just because we were talking about having a Christmas party. Right. And that's a little unexpected. Right. So, yeah. So, when we put, like, the snow scene out for the clue, (laughs) I wonder if people were thinking along these lines. Or if people were thinking along Christmas carol lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I love this song, Kelly. How do you feel about it? Um, I probably didn't love it really before. But now that I've spent the week... You know, looking at it and learning about it, I do really like it. The thing is, is that I find it to be very personal. Mm -hmm. I find those first person hymns to be a little tricky to incorporate into worship. Um, You know, we're putting words in people's mouths and we want them to sing the words and believe them. 
Um, but, you know, I, I like when hymns are a little bit more focused on we mm-hmm. um, and focused on, you know, just a little bit more general. But this is a hymn about salvation. It's a hymn about forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I really can't find much to fault with it. No, I actually really love it. In fact, it kind of reminds me of episode 33, Tis So Sweet to Trust yes. in Jesus. Oh, my gosh. I was thinking that, too. It's just a very pretty mm-hmm. um, melody. It's very repetitive. It's very simple. It seems like something that could be sung at a tent meeting. Mm-hmm. In fact, we read that this really gained popularity because it was included in Ira Sankey's gospel right. songs. Right. I mean, that's how this song got out there to the world mm-hmm. because of that publication. Mm-hmm. The words are by this poet named James Nicholson. Mm-hmm. So Kelly, you read the verses mm-hmm. and I will play the piano. Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want thee forever to ransom my soul. Break down every idol, cast out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Lord Jesus, for this I most humbly entreat. I wait, blessed Lord, at thy crucified feet. By faith for my cleansing, I see thy blood flow. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Lord Jesus, thou knowest I patiently wait. Come now, and within me a new heart create. To those who have sought thee, thou never said no. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Beautiful words. So those were three verses and then the refrain at the end. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if our listeners know this, if it's familiar to them. So Kelly, this hymn was published in over 600 hymnals. Yeah. So last week we did the Eastern Gate, which neither of us had known. Right. And it was in 45 hymnals. Yeah, something like that. And then a few weeks before that, one of our mom's favorites, Fill My Cup, Lord, was in 28 hymnals. (laughs) All right. So this being over 600, I'm Thinking more people know this? Maybe we can assume that. Yeah. Let us know on social media, you guys. We love to hear from you. All right. So there's a missing verse. Right. In our hymnal and in a bunch of hymnals. Most hymnals that I saw. There's three verses. But there was a publication that had four. Okay. In fact, I read somewhere that it was around the 1950s that that fourth verse was dropped. And I kind of have a theory about that fourth verse. Why don't we sing the verse, mm-hmm. this missing verse. Okay. So at least you can hear the way it went with the tune. And then I'll kind of give our theory on it. Lord Jesus, look down from thy throne in the skies and help me to make a complete sacrifice. I give up myself and whatever I know. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Okay, I think that's so pretty. So pretty. And it's one of those songs that I feel like you could really slow it down 
and have it be like really peaceful and calm. Mm -hmm. But I actually think that it can go at a pretty decent clip and be a little bit more joyful. Mm -hmm. I really like it. So why aren't we seeing that second verse? What's your theory, Cal? Well, I mean, I don't know. Some There is a little bit of, like, controversy. Ooh, there's our sound. <laughs> I mean, but I don't right. want to call it controversy. It's more just, like, people interpret it to mean different things. Okay. So they, it, they really felt like there was a more Pentecostal bent to this. And I don't really see that, but it's really about making yourself kind of empty and giving up yourself fully so that the Holy Spirit could come onto you. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and is a part of your life and has always been there. But, you know, if it has a little bit more of a Pentecostal bent, you're waiting for that baptism of the Holy Spirit to come. So that verse seemed... People seem to think it was more appropriate for Pentecostal Pentecost Sunday, for Pentecostal churches. And so when the churches weren't Pentecostal, that verse came out. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would sing it. I would sing it. I have, I have absolutely no problem with it at all. However, it is a little different from the other verses. It the is. other verses are more confessional. Yep. More confessional. And, you know, the song is called Whiter Than Snow. It's talking about longing, you know, to be forgiven and to be washed and to be full of grace. And so maybe that baptism of the Holy Spirit is like that next step. Right. And, uh, you know, the hymn doesn't really need that part. It doesn't really need it. No. no. It is a full, beautiful hymn without it. Yes. All right. So let's talk about the guys who wrote it. All right. So two men living in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I know. It's Which so, is so neat. So interesting. So these two guys, even though they lived in Pennsylvania, around Philadelphia, mm -hmm. around the same time, we saw no evidence that they met, that they knew each other, <laughs> that they worshipped together, that they were friends. It's Nothing. so weird. I mean, they were Christians, talented, creative, mm -hmm. making a living off of church type mm -hmm. of activities. They were seven years apart, so it wasn't like there was a huge age gap. And it doesn't look like they were ever work together and we're not even actually sure like which came first the words or the music right we have no evidence you know did yeah. one of them hear the tune and go i have the perfect words or vice versa no we don't know kelly and sometimes we like look up these hymns and do our research and find such awesome information right but it seems like last week's hymn the eastern gate and this one as well we're, we're not finding all the information that we want but we still have plenty to talk about. Oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about this. Okay, so the words were by Mr. James Nicholson. Mm -hmm. So he was born circa 1828. We don't have an exact date. <laughs> so he was from Ireland. Now, we know that he came to America. We actually see his name, Kelly, on this passenger list, Ooh. on this boat. And it came from Ireland to America in 1850. And it seems likely that his immigration may have been connected with the Great Irish Famine. Okay. So this is 1850. In the late 1840s, there was this terrible famine period for Ireland. I mean, the famine was caused by several years of potato crop failures due to blight. Okay. And, and really, I mean, starvation, typhus outbreaks. I mean, it is said that a million of the Irish people died and another million left the country. Wow. So out of that million who left the country, they're saying about, about half of them came to America. 
And those were documented immigrants from Ireland. They actually think there probably is a lot more. So James Nicholson established himself in Philadelphia. Um, We don't really know anything about his his life. Did he go to school? Did he go to college? But, you know, his writing is really good. We Mm -hmm. see what he wrote. So we believe that he, you know, was an educated man. He was a religious man. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where I think things get a little interesting. Okay. Maybe a fun fact. (laughs) He was attending the Wharton Street United Methodist Church in Philadelphia. He lived in Philadelphia from about 1850 to 1870. Now, the Wharton Street United Methodist Church, Kelly, sounded familiar to me from the minute I read it. Okay. And I thought, I've heard this church before. I've heard this church before. And do you know why it sounded familiar to me? No. Was it it, it because you've traveled there? (laughs) I have gone to Philadelphia and I wish I went to this church, but no, no, no. So Kelly, our good friend, (laughs) William Kirkpatrick was also there at the same time. Our pal, our pal, William. You guys, William Kirkpatrick keeps coming up. Please check your notes from past episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Look it. He is amazing. Now, William Kirkpatrick, he was the one who wrote the alternate tune to Away in a Manger from episode 12. He also wrote the tune to Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus from episode 33. In 1855, he became involved in the Wharton Street Methodist Episcopal Church. He served in the choir. He taught Sunday school. And we read that Nicholson was active in the church. He taught Sunday school. He led singing. He assisted in evangelistic efforts, and he produced hymn texts. So could Kirkpatrick have encouraged Nicholson to write hymns? Could he have inspired him? Did they ever write together? They did. They did. So I found two hymns, but there's likely more. Would you like to hear one of the hymns that they wrote together? Yes. Okay, so this is two guys. And now we're going to call Nicholson our friend too. Yep, both of them. (laughs) But look at you guys. Kirkpatrick writes beautiful tunes. We've already established that in our other episodes. So this hymn is called Jesus, My Precious Savior. Aww. That's so funny. It's very similar to Tis So Sweet to Trust mm-hmm. in Jesus, Precious Jesus. Mm-hmm. So this is by Nicholson and Kirkpatrick, and it's been published in two hymnals. Oh, gosh. So it's, you know, not one of their most popular. But let's see. What, what do you guys think about it? Should it be published in more? <laughs> Jesus, my precious Savior, though I have often erred and grieved thy Holy Spirit in thought and word and deed. Thou knowest that I love thee, my Savior ever kind. Thou knowest that I love thee, with heart and soul and mind I love thee oh yes I, I love thee, thee my savior and sweet peace I find oh, I love it I love that it actually answers the call from the bible to love thee with all your heart 
soul, mind, and strength. And here we are in the hymn saying, I do. Right. I love thee with heart and soul and mind. And Nicholson is talking about sinning. He right. says, I have often erred. You right. know, it's a hard word to sing, erred. He says, I often sin against you with my thoughts and my words and my deeds, but I love you. Mm-hmm. And that thought and word and deed reminds me so much of the prayer of confession from the common book of prayer. He must must have been like he a hymn inspiration. He must have been quoting yeah. from it. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I mean, I have been a fan of Kirkpatrick. Right. I really have been. I mean, since Away in a Manger, I just love that guy. <laughs> Carrie's president of her is fan club. <laughs> we know for a fact that Kirkpatrick and Nicholson knew each other. Unfortunately, we don't know if Fisher right. knew each other. But you know what's really interesting? At around the same time, mm-hmm. Nicholson was working at Wharton Street Methodist Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. And my guy, Fisher, was working at St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church. <laughs> and here's a fun fact. I Google mapped it. And they're like six miles apart. That's cool. They're six miles apart. They could walk that in like... Um, I'm not really sure. I don't know how long it takes to walk six miles. It would take me like a day. (laughs) No, we have a 30 minute mile, don't we? (laughs) So that's just a little fun fact that you had all these talented Christian men in the same vicinity. You had to believe that there was like some Saturday morning men's breakfast that they went to. I think Kelly's hungry. She's mentioning <laughs> breakfast. Okay. All right. So look at, I just want to talk about this church for a minute. Mm-hmm. It's now called the Wharton Wesley Church. It, it was also called the Wharton Street United Methodist Church. It, I just saw on the map that Wharton Street is in West Philadelphia. So, you know. What? West Philadelphia. <laughs> you know what we could say about him. Yeah. In West, West Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Born and raised. <laughs> the playground's where he spent, spent most, most of his days. days. He's the fresh prince of Wharton Street. Do you guys know that? I don't know. We just dated ourselves badly, I think. The fresh prince of Bel Air. Yeah. Great. Okay. All right. So I just want to talk about this church for a minute. Okay. All right. right. So it has a really interesting history. Lots of little churches combined and merged and moved. And right now it's called the Wharton Wesley Church. It traces back to 1842. Mm -hmm. And it contains a sanctuary, a chapel, there's classrooms, a fellowship hall, and there are these hidden treasures inside, Cal. A sanctuary with great acoustics, exquisite stained glass windows, a commercial-grade kitchen, Kelly. Oh, well, that makes sense for all the men's breakfasts. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like it's just a really beautiful place. The pictures are beautiful. We're going to post them on our social media. So, yeah, I mean, I just loved learning about that church, and I loved learning that that he met Kirkpatrick there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He died at a young age, Kelly. I'm seeing that, and I actually think that that might be the only reason why he didn't have more contact mm-hmm. with Fisher. Right. So he died on November 6th, 1876, and we read that he's buried in the Mount Moriah Cemetery in Philadelphia. Okay. Now, I went to the Mount Moriah webpage. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a huge cemetery. It's, there's 200,000 people buried there. It was established in 1855, and it has been an inclusive final resting place for Philadelphia's diverse population. Mm. It has United States military lots, Muslim burials, communal plots. 
Um, unfortunately, the cemetery was abandoned by its owners. Wow. And this nonprofit group called the Friends of Mount Moriah Incorporated came forward okay. to take care of this cemetery. And they have been working diligently since 2011 to restore this beautiful space. Now, on the website, they have a section for notable burials. <laughs> Please tell me, is Nicholson a notable burial? He's not. He's not listed as a notable burial. No, he's not. And the thing is, is that their list of notable burials is so big that I it actually made me question whether or not he's there. Because right, how can right, he right, be right. there? So I reached out to the friends of the Mount <laughs> Moriah Cemetery. And okay. one of the members of the friends called me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she said... That there is a little, there was a little bit of confusion. Oh. So at the time of Nicholson's death, he lived in Washington, D.C. Okay. He moved to Washington, D.C. in 1871 to work for the post office. <laughs> like all church musicians. <laughs> yeah. And then he died on November 6th, 1876. He should have stayed at Wharton Street, shouldn't he have? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. His body was then transported to Philadelphia and because it was in the November month, it was cold, the ground was hard, oh. they did not bury him, and they put him in what's called the Wharton Street Vault. And so the woman on the phone, Jen, she told me exactly what happened. When the ground thawed, when it was a little bit warmer weather, they moved him to the cemetery on May 31st, 1877. And his grave is there, section 130, lot 7, division B. So did you ask him why he wasn't notable enough? Well, I did ask her. And she kind of laughed and said that there's just a lot of people. And the page <laughs> gets updated, you know, periodically. And I suggested that I write his biography and, and send it to her so that he can be included on the notable page. Okay, so that sounds like your next project, Carrie. <laughs> she said it's only a couple of paragraphs. But I want Nicholson on this page. He should be. He's notable. Totally. And he's buried there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how about this for a fun connection? Our music writer, our composer Fisher, is buried there as well. William Gustavus Fisher. Yep. And guess what? Do you think he's a notable burial? He better be. Nope. Are you kidding? So now I have to call Jen back and tell her that my twin sister <laughs> is going to write a biography about Fisher, and he better be on the notable page, too. I mean, Jen, are you listening to our <laughs> podcast? Because we're going to be calling you. <laughs> You're going to be so sick of those twins. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, don't you think these guys have to be listed? Okay. I think it's so funny, though, because... I did a lot of research on Fisher's Church, which, as I said a few minutes ago, right. was St. George's. George's. And they talk about all of the famous people. I mean, this is a church <sighs> in the heart of Philadelphia. Like, on the map, it says Liberty Bell and St. George's, like, right next to each other. And are you going to tell me that they don't talk about Fisher? Not once. That's a controversy. <laughs> Once. And I just think that in, in the grand scheme of things, these I mean, this church is the oldest continuous running Methodist church in America. Wesley spoke there. Oh. Asbury spoke there. Okay. There has so much going on in these churches. It's the heart of the American Revolution. Right, right. It was formed and they were meeting before America was even a country. Right. And so when they have all of, and this is Philadelphia. So when they have all of these famous things happening, I guess the organist who worked there for 20 years isn't that important. Wow. Yeah. 
I mean, I said to Jen on the phone, he wrote Whiter Than Snow, and it's in over 600 hymnals. <laughs> and of course, she's like, we have signers of the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> right, no, 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 right, she didn't say that. Right, she didn't say that. Right. But yeah, so that's our little mission. Yes, we're getting Nicholson and Fisher into the book of notable burials. Hashtag Nicholson notable burial. Hashtag Fisher notable burial. Hashtag don't forget about our guys. Hashtag we need a life. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We have to get back on track Okay. Here. So now it's my turn to talk about Fisher, who we already know worked at St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church. We also know that he's buried in Mount Moriah Cemetery. Not notably. <laughs> but he's not notable. We do know that. So let's talk a little bit about him. William Gustavus Fisher was born to German immigrants on October 14th, 1835 in Baltimore, Maryland. He died in Philadelphia on August 13th. So we're nearing his death date anniversary in 1912. Mm -hmm. So he lived considerably longer than Nicholson. And he also lived to the turn of the century. Now, I really connect with Fisher because he reminds me of us. He did a lot of things. <laughs> like me and you? Yeah. Okay. He worked in a church. He taught music at Girard College. Right. He co-owned a piano business and a music store all in Philadelphia. He was a very popular and well-known choral director. In fact, one of his claims to fame is in 1876, Fisher conducted a 1,000-voice choir at the Dwight L. Moody Ira D. Sankey Revival Meeting in Philadelphia. Wow. 1,000 voices. So, I mean, I was trying to think of the biggest choirs I've ever conducted. Um, When I was my first high school teaching job... We did like a collaboration with some other schools. It yeah. was awesome. Okay. I was young and I was just starting out. And I think it topped like at like 160 or 180 okay. students. Okay. I mean, a thousand, Carrie? I, can't, I really can't imagine. I can't fathom that many people. Right. And how do you fit them all? And where do they stand? And how do you talk so that everyone can hear you? I mean, and do you line them up by height? Because that would take forever. <laughs> So he learned to read music in a church singing class. He studied piano and organ. And something that was really neat, besides doing the Ira Sankey revival meeting, he also conducted these combined Welsh societies that celebrated in Pennsylvania the bicentennial of the landing of William Penn. I saw this. Did you see this? Yes. So I thought that was so interesting. Totally. They, and they had a huge celebration. So think about that. The the landing of William Penn in Pennsylvania, which was in 1682. So 200 years later, this was 1882. I was trying to research this festival, this Bicentennial Festival. Mm-hmm. Of course, when you Google Bicentennial Festival, you're really just getting things that happened in 1976. Right, right. So, and especially when you're talking about Pennsylvania. So I tried to really dig into what this festival looked like for the bicentennial of the landing of William William Penn Penn. to Pennsylvania. And I really couldn't find that much, much. But what I did find is a granite monument that stands about five feet tall, which is, you know, like our height. It's it's huge. It's huge. (laughs) It has Penn's coat of arms on the side. Okay. And this monument was placed at that 200th anniversary festival. 
So, I mean, we don't really need a captain to go and visit <laughs> all of these sites in Pennsylvania. I want to go back to Pennsylvania now. But I say we see Wharton Street, we see St. George's, mm-hmm. we see the monument. Yeah. And, you know, while we're there, I really think that we should see the Liberty Bell. <laughs> sure. All right, where's our captain? <laughs> this is your captain speaking. So, I mean, Google Maps is just such a helpful tool, Carrie. Okay, so what are we... So, <laughs> where are we, we going? If we start at the Wharton Baptist Church... We can travel six miles to St. George's, and then it's less than 20 miles to the monument. And so, again, Fisher is the conductor of the of the choral groups. They're yeah. having this big bicentennial festival. You would think that his name would be listed somewhere or some record of the song that he sung or what he did, but there's nothing. You couldn't find it. There's nothing because there's too many other exciting things happening. It's not notable enough. It's not <laughs> notable enough. <laughs> So I have to say that if we were really in Philadelphia walking around, I would then visit Girard College, which is about two miles from St. George's. And he worked in both places. So you have to imagine that he probably did just walk back and forth between the two. He taught music there for 10 years. He was a vocal music director. And I looked up the St. Gerard College because I'm like, I have never heard of it. Is this a college we should be looking into? It was founded by Stephen Gerard, who at the time of his death was the richest man in Philadelphia. Okay. And he donated his estate to the start of this college, except it isn't a college, it is a high school. It's grades nine through 12, but they've called it college from the very beginning. Yeah. So the college opened in 1848. It's a three-story structure that, again, Hmm. was built with the money from Stephen Gerard, and it was designed by the architect Thomas U. Walter, fun fact here, who would go on to design the dome of the U.S. Capitol. Wow. Mm -hmm. It was built to look like a temple in Greece, and it's often considered the finest example of Greek revival architecture in America. When it was finally completed in 1847, Founders Hall, that was the name of the main building, was the second most expensive building in America (laughs) after the U.S. Capitol. Our guy worked there. But again, no one cares about our guy working there for 10 years because there's all this other stuff that was going on at the time. (laughs) I guess it's not notable enough. (laughs) All right, so I did find a Methodist publication Mm -hmm. that announced his death. It says, William G. Fisher, known throughout the world for his hymns, died Tuesday night at his home in West West Philadelphia Philadelphia. (laughs) after a brief illness. The funeral services were held on Friday, August 19th at Christ Church, of which Brother Fisher had been a member for many years. And the obituary went on to say, author of 200 hymn tunes, three of which appear in our new hymnal, I Am Coming to the Cross, Rock of Refuge, and Hanky. Hanky was written for the words, I love to tell the story. Whiter than snow and a little talk with Jesus are among the hymns best known to be sung in Sunday schools. So, I mean, we should just, you know, forward that to Jen. Right. At Mount Moriah and just let her know. And Carrie, in the obituary, I mean, I didn't have to dig hard. Well, I did have to dig hard for this. But it says, in the famous Moody and Sankey meetings held in the old freight depot and market and Juniper Street, Mm -hmm. this man of God led the great chorus of a thousand voices. Wow. Another time, he showed his ability as a leader when the Welsh chorus sang at the bicentennial of the landing of William Penn. Professor Fisher will be remembered by many in connection with the great choruses at Ocean Grove. So, I mean, I think we've just proven our point. (laughs) 
I mean, there's no question. He's notable. So we're going to keep you all updated. When they are finally on the notable burial page, we we will tell you. You'll be the first to know. Yes. Okay. All right. So we love these two guys. We <laughs> Can love, you tell? <laughs> we love this hymn. Let's talk about, you know, a little bit of the inspiration. Or I guess we should say inspiration. I mean, where does this come from in the Bible? To me, this hymn is so inspired by Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is probably one of the more well-known psalms of confession. Mm-hmm. And the words, some of the words are taken right from it. What does the Bible say? <laughs> psalm 51.7 says, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. It's literally that line of the refrain. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Psalm 51.10, create in me a pure heart, O God. And you see that in verse 3. Come now and within me a new heart create. Right. It's really quoting from Psalm 51. And so I encourage you in your quiet time to meditate on Psalm 51. It's a beautiful psalm of confession. And, you know, sometimes confession just gets lost, you know, when we're in our prayer time praying for so many other things, Mm -hmm. we forget to confess. And so just kind of reading through Psalm 51 would be such a good exercise Mm -hmm. to ask for God's forgiveness. And then maybe listening to Whiter Than Snow and singing it because it's affirming that we have sinned. It's affirming that we need God's presence and with him, with Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, we can be whiter than snow. I really love the the psalm passage, but the Isaiah another passage is in Isaiah. What does the Bible say? Isaiah 118. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Wow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. So it's interesting because those two passages are the same context as the hymn. Your sins will be like washed away. You will be white as snow. Right. Um, But there's another passage from the book of Daniel, which has this white as snow, but in a different context. Okay. Daniel chapter seven, verse nine. And this is the King James version. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. Mm. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. So we're just like getting the idea of the color. It has nothing to do with our our souls, our hearts, being clean, like nothing. But that's no accident. No. Because when we're in God's presence, Mm -hmm. when we are in heaven, we shall be like that. And so that's the goal that we're striving for. So... It made me think about this white as snow, Mm -hmm. you know, what it means. And so we see it in a few places. Now, of course, we see it in the Bible. We also see it in Shakespeare. In The Winter's Tale in the year 1611, Shakespeare writes that the lawn was as white as driven snow, cypress black as ever was crow. So driven snow is... You know, is a little bit specific. What's that? What's that? I mean, is that like after you've been driving on it for a while? Well, it's 1611. (laughs) Okay. Um, But it's snow that has blown into drifts and is untrotted and clean. So it's it's oh. that driven snow that like hasn't been stepped in, which it's funny because when I think of white as snow, right? I already think of that. I didn't mean <laughs> like the driven. 
Now, we also see it in Hamlet in 1602. Oh. What if this cursed hand were thicker than itself with brother's blood? Is there not rain enough in the sweet heavens to wash it white as snow? Uh-oh. And finally, we see it in the Canterbury Tale. So this is like wow. going back to the 14th century, the second nun's tale. Valerian said, two crowns here have we, snow white and rose red that shine clear. So they were just talking about snow white and white as snow. And these two terms really were used interchangeably. It was very common to use these phrases, snow white and as white as snow, they meant the same thing. And finally, we see it here in America in the 1830s in the song, Mary Mary Had a a Little little Lamb, lamb. whose fleece was white as snow. In 1822, the last example I have is such a fun poem that everybody knows. Can I just give you? Yeah. Let me give it to you and you tell me if you know it. Okay. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. Is that Twas the Night Before Christmas? <laughs> yeah. All right. So finally we get our Christmas connection there today. There you go. Yeah. So A Visit from St. Nicholas written in 1822 mm-hmm. by Clement C. Moore. So this white as snow, we've seen, we see it a lot. But what's interesting to me is that Nicholson does not use the phrase white as snow. White as snow, Kelly, is perfect, completely uncorrupted and honest, pure white. But this, we're praying that Jesus would make us whiter whiter than than snow. So all of these other ways that it's been used, Mm. it's as white as snow. It's the whitest it can be. Right. But Nicholson chooses to change it. It's not white as snow. It's whiter than snow. And I think that's like worth mentioning. Right. What Jesus does for us is so different right. from anything else that we can experience in this life. That holiness, that sanctification, that forgiveness, that is whiter than snow. And and Nicholson, Nicholson chooses to differentiate that. Mm-hmm. It's special. It's different. It's not the same White as snow, as like Mary's lamb. And I love it. That's great. And Nicholson was a poet. Mm -hmm. So I feel like he does have these kind of poetic lines that just, that makes you, make you think a little bit. Right. Because he could have easily said white as snow. He could have definitely said as white as snow. Mm -hmm. As, but instead he said whiter than snow. Right. I love it. All right, before we go, I have a little Uh-oh. pop quiz for you. Oh, it's my turn now, Carrie. Okay, so I have a pop quiz about white as snow. Okay. So this is a common expression, but I just thought you might want to play a little game that I call sin or ant. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> is it a synonym or an antonym? Okay. So I'm going to give you a phrase or a word, and you tell me if it's the same as white as snow or different. Okay. I feel like this is easy. I'm going to kill this one. (laughs) Okay. White (laughs) as snow. Bloodless. The same. Right. Because it has no blood. Pale. Pale. Yeah. How about bloomy? (laughs) Bloomy. I'm going to say different. (laughs) Good, good, good. (laughs) How about (laughs) corpse-like? Ew. Um, same. Yeah. Because you're pale and right, dead. Right. Okay. How about chicken hearted? <laughs> I'm going to say ant. 
different. <laughs> that was just a wild guess. I guess chicken-hearted is a synonym. It says synonym. All right. How about Peely Wally? <laughs> you made that word up. It's right here. I'm going to say same. Good. Okay. I'm just guessing. I have a 50-50 <laughs> chance. It's like when people can't tell us apart. We just tell them to guess. Mm-hmm. All right. I have one last one. Okay. How about flourishing? Different. That's right. Of course, if you're flourishing and healthy, yes. Right. All right. So that was just meant to be kind of cute. Okay. Good job, Care. I mean, if I don't know. Do people keep track of our pop quizzes? Because I definitely do better <laughs> in them, in yours, than you do in mine. Well, all I have to say is you're looking a little peely wally right now. What does that even mean? You need to get yourself to the beach. <laughs> I do need to get to the beach. This was such a fun episode. I know. You know, both Kelly and I talked about it and just thought, we don't have a whole lot of information on these guys. <laughs> they're not notable. They're Clearly. But we just dug so much stuff. We hope that you enjoyed listening. Mm-hmm. And we hope that... This hymn just has really spoken to you. And you know what? I think the star of this week's episode is Philadelphia. I mean, I really feel like I want to go and visit all of these places. I wonder if we have listeners in Philadelphia, if they know about these places and if they would go and visit them. Yeah. And if any of our listeners are taking a road trip, go and check these places out. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know if you're going to Philly. Mm -hmm. Have a Philly cheesesteak. Yes. And then go visit St. George's. Mount Moriah Cemetery. (laughs) All right. So we finally, we're ending today Mm -hmm. with a wonderful performance of this Whiter Than Snow. So I just, I've listened to this a few times and I'm like intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. It really makes you listen. Mm -hmm. And again, if you're going to use this hymn in your quiet devotional time, Mm -hmm. this arrangement of it is really special and unique. This performer, Warren G. Akers, took an old hymn, a very traditional sounding hymn, and really rearranged it and changed it Mm -hmm. and made it sound so interesting. So he's a solo singer. He's playing acoustic guitar. And he's arranged it. His finger picking is really cool to listen to. And I think what's most interesting is that he changes the modality. Right. So we he is playing it in a minor key. M and M's always. <laughs> right. Right. So this is a little music theory. Even if you're not sure what we mean when we say minor key or modality, when you listen to it, you will know that this is not the way. Fisher wrote these harmonies. And it's not the way we just sang it no, a few minutes ago. But it's so interesting. And we really love when people are just doing hymns in a different way. So we're going to share his information, yes. share his YouTube channel. He has some other hymns he did at the cross, mm-hmm. Victory in Jesus. So you, you can spend some time on his YouTube channel. But yeah, please listen. I hope you really enjoy Whiter, Whiter Than Snow. Snow. Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want thee forever to ransom my soul. Break down every idol, cast out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. Whiter than snow Whiter than snow Yes, whiter than snow Now wash me And I shall be Whiter than 
Jesus, for this I most humbly entreat. I wait, blessed Lord, at thy crucified feet. By faith for my cleansing I see thy blood flow. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow, whiter than snow. Thou knowest I patiently wait Come now and within me a new heart create To those who have sought thee thou never said no Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow Whiter than snow today with a promise of Jesus found in the gospel of John, John chapter six. You know, it's, I love this verse in the, in the hymn to those who have sought thee, thou never said no. Mm. God doesn't say no to us. And Jesus promises to his people in John six thirty seven, all those the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Mm-hmm. So we're just hopeful that there are people out there who are coming to Jesus. Yeah. And the promise is, is that he will not say no. He will not drive you away. He will welcome you with open arms. He will love you. And and he'll he'll forgive forgive you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yep. Have a great rest of your day. And tune back in next week for another episode of Him Talk, Twin Talk. Bye. Keep singing.